the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now here's the host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Happy Thursday, everybody, and good morning. Welcome to Stars of PR. Today, our first guest is Scott Sobel, and he's a former journalist who handled some of the highest-profile cases involving big business, government, celebrities, authors, and, and lawyers. Welcome, Scott. Have you been on my show before? Hello, Cindy. Are you there? Oh, you can't hear me? Uh, you dropped off a little bit towards the end, but uh, I've got you now. Okay, because I gave you a fabulous introduction. Well, I'm, I'm sure you did, and, and uh, you know, I felt it. <laughs> did, did, oh, you just felt it? I just want to make sure you could hear me okay. Are you on a cell phone? Yes, I am. Is it, uh, is it better if we go someplace else? I think we're okay, though. Okay. I don't, I don't want to interrupt your, your, your uh, flow here. Well, we'll try to get through it. It's always better on a landline, but, you know, we'll do the best we can. I mean, you're an important guy, and you have important things to say. But where did you work as a journalist, Scott? Well, I started at the Miami Herald in the uh, early 70s as an intern and then a staff writer and uh, uh, then migrated to, uh, to TV news over the next 20-something years, working in major markets everywhere from uh, Tampa to Denver to Boston and uh, doing some work for the network for NBC primarily as well. You, you sound like you have a broadcast voice. Well, I've got a face for radio, right? Ah, I know that one. We all know that at Voice America Internet Radio. We're all ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you, don't, you don't you don't want to start you don't want to start a PR uh, conversation uh, telling the truth now. Uh, yes, well, you know what? There's a debate about that. You know, I you know those of us in PR, I always think that you know the truth can be bent but not broken. That's my philosophy. Well, yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. Um, you know, what we try and do, and what I what I advocate is certainly not lying about anything, but but being. Uh, the same way that good attorneys are being a, a, a fair conduit of information to tell the strongest story for the client, because everybody needs to be represented. Although there, are, you know, there's some clients certainly we don't take on. But, no, I'm um, sure. Well, it's always best. You know, you get to a point in journalism and public relations where you have the experience. You know what's going to be a dog. <laughs> right. No, that's true. That's true. You know, and and. Hopefully you're doing well enough in business where you can you can uh, put that dog in the kennel and walk on to something else. That you and like. it's so it's so gratifying. You and I, I I think that we both share the fact that we're veterans in the industry, and I'm sure that it's very frustrating to see some of the younger people come into the industry, whether it's in journalism or public relations, who think they know it all because they're from the quote unquote my face generation. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, there, there's something. There's a lot to be said. For unfiltered information from my face or from Wikipedia or, um, or wherever, but there's got to be some structure to what you're doing, and I, I very much advocate for um, people new into the industry uh, to pay attention to the facts. That's, I always thought that was important. <laughs> no, it was the facts are definitely important. Um, you know, and working hard is important. And I don't know if you're feeling this, but you know, I think that you and I are probably fellow baby boomers. I don't want to make assumptions, but it seems since you've been a journalist, you know, you've been a journalist for 20 years and then went into public relations that you must be. Yeah, I'm 56. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm about 10 years younger than you are, but we're in, the same, we're in the same game. And I'm finding that a lot of new people that are coming into the industry really try to 
get things done the easy way. Um, It's like we have something that they don't because they feel, due to social networking, that there's always shortcuts. Or there's another job around the corner. And, uh, you know, I don't care what what letter generation you're from, there are just so many times that you can that you can uh, change jobs uh, until that kind of a reputation catches up to you, and that's uh, you know that's not a good thing for you. Absolutely agreed. Well, you know, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Do you want to talk about anything in particular that you are working on before I grill you on the crises of the day? Yeah, no, that's 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 fine. I mean, we're doing a a number of things out of the Washington D.C. office, but we also belong to um, uh, public relations. To, Boutiques International, which which gives us partners all over the world. Uh, so we're, we're doing a number of things um, in uh, in China, and uh, specifically, what we're concentrating on right now are uh, three network level stories. One is a, um, uh, a book launch for uh, a client, uh, Michael Farr, is a financial manager, and uh, the other two have to do with uh, ABC. News and investigative units. One is um, a Supreme Court uh, bribery case in West Virginia, um, and the other one uh, has to do with um, the Chinese government uh, uh, through a so-called privately owned company, which is not the case, uh, dumping cheap um, hand trucks into this country and undercutting uh, American jobs. So that, that's taking up a lot of the time in the middle of all the other kinds of work we do. We do hospital work. We do um, aviation work. A lot of aviation work, the Species Heavy Industries America, is one of our primary uh, clients. And uh, uh, we're in the, in the middle of convention season for that and um, ongoing work for, for that and a number of other clients as well. So, you're, doing, you're doing good, Scott. I'm, I'm trying. I'm You're doing good. As my little legs can, can carry me, as a matter of fact, uh, we're working with uh, an excellent web designer, Orchid Suite, uh, here in D.C. that also does international work, and finding more and more that that, that web design function and um, uh, uh, managed platform uh, is so important to public relations, period. Uh, as it is to all sorts of media. There's got to be a, a web component. Now, well, listen, I, if, today um, you can't do public relations anymore without, you know, the maximum optimization, you know, focus. And, right. you know, right. it's it's just very interesting. You can't communicate. You can't get the things done without, you know, the maximum optimization of messages. It became very different than when I started back in 1883, um, right. You know, right. it's it's really it's not the medium is the message anymore. It's like the message is the medium. It's really kind of freaky. Right. No. It, it's uh, you know it, the technology. It, you have to be both creative with it, but you have to understand that it's a that it's a functioning tool. It's not a, an end in of itself. And you know, I've I've also worked <clears throat> certainly <clears throat> still work in the corporate world and. You know the um, uh, the CFOs like to have uh, cause and effect, very quantifiable things, and it, it you can't always work in that kind of an environment with those kinds of expectations. No, so but I think the, that the, the yeah. medium the medium is important, but it's not necessarily the message. 
No, exactly right. And I and I think as PR professionals, we have to manage expectations too. I mean, you know, when we're meeting with a prospective client, we have to be honest and fair in, you know, managing what they can expect. Sometimes it's best to tell them we're going to get a lot of hits, you know, if they're going to sell a product. But in crisis communication, sometimes it's best if we know people who can manipulate or kill a story. Right, right. It's, it's, it's as important to keep some clients out of the news as it is uh, to get others in. Well, um, listen, you know what? We're, we have three minutes to go. Um, okay. You know, and I have some, you know, your crisis communications guy, you know, did, um, did Governor Spitzer handle his crisis well, public relations-wise? Well, you know, I'm going to say the most often used phrase in the in the legal business, which is it depends. <laughs> and I don't know, you know. So yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know all the details, so it's hard for me to give a definitive answer. But I think that there were other uh, avenues and things that he could have done. Um, you know, possibly what he did was the honorable thing uh, to get out of it. But to save his career and to keep going, uh, whether he wanted to stay in politics or is going to go off and do other things. Uh, he still has that perception to manage, and just the, the same way that I, that I gave uh, advice to uh, some of the pro-athletes uh, attorneys uh, who've been challenged, if that's the right word so far, uh, they, he needs to, I would think, and they need to um, do more than pay lip service to, to redemption and to... Um, and to uh, uh, renovate their their lives and their careers, as in it, it's not good enough to say, you know what, I abhor uh, or I, I, I disagree with uh, dog fighting. You've got right. to say, well, I'm going I'm to go out and, and create uh, a foundation association just like I was an alcoholic, and I'm going to uh, mm-hmm. admit to my mistakes, get involved in a 12-step program, and also, because of my resources, uh, do some mentoring and really make a difference uh, as a role model in that world. I think you know, that's otherwise, true. Saying otherwise, saying you're sorry is just saying you're sorry you got caught. I think I agree with you exactly right. He had no contingency plan. He had no... He, he kind of, like, cleaned it up as if he really just wanted to dive into a hole and never come back again. <laughs> I mean, and and it made the news story go away rather quickly, I have to say. I mean, when I was talking to Cruz that week, nobody, or or reporters, nobody was available because everybody was so obsessed with it. But he made it go away for himself. But you're right, as a strategic communications tool, he really should have said, well, I'm going into public service now and I'm going to really make, I mean, he just didn't even, it was missing. You know what I'm saying? Well, listen, Scott, we have to wrap up this segment, but I want you to stay in touch with me. Are you at a place where you could write my email down? I can do that for you. Okay, because I'd like to stay in touch with you about other stuff. I mean, you're a great guy, and I'd like to continue to know you and have you as a regular on my show. And my email address is cindy at rnr-pr.com. I've got it. Thank All you right, very much for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to talking to you. And this was Scott Sobel calling in from Washington, I think. And uh, yes. he's a great crisis communications expert with the big guys. Thank you, Scott. Thanks very much, Cindy. Have okay. a good day. Bye. Bye bye. News. 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 News.
your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties, festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment. That's R A K N R O L L Entertainment.com. Or call 1 818 597 0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with Stars of PR, and my next guest is Glenn Embersall. Welcome, Glenn, top strategic thinking business coach and the PR doctor. You sound like a PR doctor. The phone's ringing in the background, and you have that big good morning, Cindy, thing. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here with you this morning. It's great to have you, too. I'm, you know, it's great, and you, you know, I like the PR doctor. Oh, well, <laughs> it's interesting. That, that came about over, over the years where a number of my clients would refer to me as doctor, and then uh, in an L.A. in uh, 2000. I went to what was called the uh, Billion Dollar Internet Super Summit with Jay Abraham, where he used public relations to promote the event. And one of the exercises we did was a PR exercise, and uh, they talked about how to get on a national talk show. And one guy said, well, he got on the uh, Tonight Show by writing this headline, uh, New Jersey Contractor Sells the Brooklyn Bridge One Piece at a Time. And it was a contractor who had the... uh, job of replacing the sidewalk, cut up the wood into little pieces, sold it as mementos, got great publicity, so they gave us an assignment to come up with something similar, and that's when I came up with uh, Pennsylvania PR doctor finds cure for foot and mouth disease. Ah, wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I love it. Well, you know what? It's an esteemed title, and it's fun. You know what I mean? So, I well, mean, it's better, than, fun. it's better than being flack. <laughs> <laughs> I think flack is a horrible word. I don't know where it came from, but I just think it's horrible. But um, strategic thinking business coach. So t- tell me, Glenn, like, what do you do? I mean, aside from, you know, doing funny things like foot and mouth disease and coming up with fun headlines and stuff like that. Well, I think if, uh, if, if I really boil it down, what I uh, do is uh, uh, work with a lot of uh, small business to medium-sized business owners and their uh, management teams, and the uh, top line is to get them to think differently and to get them to think strategically, whether it's about their marketing program or their public relations or just establishing the vision for their business, is to get them to think in a different manner and think more about the future and to work on their business rather than just in their business, as uh, Michael Gerber would say. We have too many people that do it, do it, do it every day, but never take time to work on the, on the business. And uh, I've been fortunate to have a very diverse uh, clientele that enables me to learn a lot from other people because I do consider myself a lifelong learner and encourage my clients to, uh, to be the same. Yeah, nobody could ever know too much. Absolutely not. That's correct, yeah. And I think some of the uh, some of the other fun things is watching the people really come to get it. You know, the light goes on, or the you know the uh, the bells go off, whatever. That they finally realize that by thinking a little differently, they have a competitive advantage, and no matter what they're doing. Oh, absolutely right. I mean, you know, I would hope break through the clutter and you know not you know not imitate the world, but make the world different. Right, and I. Uh, I came across a, a recommended book from one of my clients called Fierce Conversations, and uh, it's all about getting right to uh, what you need to talk about. And my favorite question in that book is, what are you pretending not to know? Uh, I think we've all worked with people that you know bury their heads in the sand and, and just will not admit that there's a problem or there's a weakness or whatever. So it's one of my favorite questions. What are you pretending not to know? Uh, particularly where people hesitate to get rid of a non-performing person uh, in a position. And it may be that it's a good person, but they're playing out of position. And the idea is to, if they're that good an employee, maybe there's another place that they can play and actually contribute to the team. Well, no, I think that's true. That's really more like, it's more like human resource coaching rather than PR coaching, no? That, and in that case, yes. Uh, the public relations uh, coaching is really, first of all, to... Um, get them to understand how the media works. And I guess I've made it a lifelong career, Cindy, to really educate the public on how the media works. And as a result of that, I mean, a a dividend from that has been uh, that my relationships in the media have been very positive because they will understand that I will explain to clients how it works so that, for example, you know, the client says, why did the reporter you know, put that in the story. I said, well, did you say it? Yes. I said, well, then it should be in the story if they choose to. You said it. Or why did that reporter write the headline? Well, the reporter didn't write the headline. Or why did this get cut out of the reporter's story? Well, there's an editor involved. And a lot of people are truly media ignorant. Oh, God, Uh, is that true? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could talk about that all day. And, and I found that, you know, once people, that they may not like what you tell them, but at least they say, okay, if that's the process and that's the way they work, okay, we know that now and we're better able to move forward. And uh, probably the largest client I ever had, which was a major food 
manufacturer complained all the time to me about, you know, we never get any attention to the media and so on and so forth. And I said, you know why? And they said, no, tell us. I said, because you have not made a commitment to media relations to the same level you have made to good quality food products. Oh, I think that's a, that's a good prescription, doctor. <laughs> it's good and it's hard work. You can't let it to chance. The media is not a vending machine that you go put a coin in and say, I need some positive PR. I think I'll put a you know, uh, some coins in, and I'll pull the lever, and out pops the story I want. You're hilarious. Oh, my God. You're, and how many people do we meet that has no clue? They have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> You're so hilarious. And I, don't you love the people that are like, you know, well, you know I want to be on Oprah. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like you meet with a prospective client. I have a great product. I want to be on Oprah. <laughs> oh, they, and, and the other uh, thing I found out is they they don't know that process, which, again, I mean, you have to be absolutely in the top of your A game to make a pitch to those kind of shows. Plus, you have to have something that's really such a compelling story or issue or product or whatever to even think about making a, a pitch. You think? <laughs> and you know what? It's so funny. Also, I mean, since you and I have this kind of sort of jokey rapport already, it's like when a client, you know, you, you get an opportunity for a client and you fix up this whole thing with a show, you know, let's say it's ABC News for the sake of argument, you know, or, you know, let's even say it's NBC News or any, you know, morning show or whatever it is. And the morning show says, well, they have to set up a crew in a certain area because it's convenient for them. And then the client says, um, no, well, you know, that's inconvenient. Um, you know, it, that's not worth my budget to... Right. I, I mean, what, are you crazy? Right, they they don't understand, and it's uh, <laughs> one of the best examples I remember back, and this was on a, this is, was a major campaign uh, called Healthy Eating for Life. And uh, we used two well-known actors, Eddie Albert, who passed away last year at the age of 99, uh, and his son, Edward Albert Jr., because they spoke to and identified with the two target markets, being the seniors and the baby boomers. And I had arranged for uh, one of the television magazine shows to do uh, something. And, I mean, the day before they're ready to shoot uh, for the show, they come to me and say, Glenn, we don't want to do it. I said, why? They said, well, we're afraid they're going to ask us about red dye number two. I said, so what? If they ask you, you answer the question. No, exactly. It's or like, you bring it up first if you anticipate that, and you diffuse it. I said, but we're not canceling this. But they became paranoid over something that may happen. Right. No, it's, um, well, You we could control as, as spin doctors. I won't use your PR, but, you know, as public relations professional. You have to prepare them for anything. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm sure you do this too, but any time that I have a client, you know, I always try to media train them and play Barbara Walters with them. Yes, the, and, and I have some clients that a lot of times if they're going to a, let's say they're going to a meeting and there'll be a decision coming from that meeting and there'll be media there, uh, we will actually rehearse on the telephone the what-ifs. What if you get your approval? Here's some things that you ought to make sure that you get across. If there's no decision, here's some things that you might want to consider saying. And worst case scenario, if you get a no when you're expecting a yes, here's some things to say. 
No, well, exactly. You have to, and the other thing is, is like when you have a client that doesn't understand that you have to bridge or transition to a media person's agenda. It's like, you know, <laughs> if you want to get on the air and get free airtime, you're not paying $30,000 for advertising. You're not paying $300,000 for advertising. You go with their platform and bridge to what you have to say. Absolutely. I, oh, you and I should start a club. I mean, like, you know, what we have to, it's a comedy routine of what we have to contend with with people who have, as you say, no clue. Right, <laughs> they don't, and, and there's there's a number of, of of stories over the years of people that are just paranoid about this, that don't want to do something because they don't understand. And 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 first of all, I said, and the media in this case was not the uh, you know investigative type of journalism. I said this is a family kind of thing, and they're not going to ask the question, but if they do, you're prepared to answer it. So don't worry about it. And hostile interviews is something, again, we prepare for uh, because I know your previous guest listening in about the crisis communications is such a big thing. And 95% of my clients in that area came to me after it already hit the fan. Um, I do this thing called uh, crisis communications management, what to do before, during, and after it hits the fan. Mm -hmm. And most people can't even find a towel to wipe off their face so that they can see what the heck's going on. Well, that's where we become sort of psycho psychological coaches and mothers and <laughs> yeah, yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's uh, you know people don't people have, should have more respect for, for, for PR doctors like you, really. <laughs> well, I think they they ought to have a little more respect for the media uh, and how little? they work. And, uh, you know, like you, you gave a good example of, you know, somebody having to spend some money to go somewhere else. And, well, it's not convenient. Why don't they come here? Uh, I tell clients, too, I said, listen, don't uh, complain when the media are late because they typically are. Uh, I said, it's just what happens. But I said, you always must be on time. Exactly. Always. Well. Exactly, and I have to say, as a PR doctor, I'm sure that you know you have to, you have to like kind of take care of control freaks and tell them, listen, Mister Control Freak, you have no control with the media. <laughs> oh uh, yes, and I, I've had that too. And they'll say, well, we're going to say, it. no, you do not ever tell them how to do their job. Exactly, and they do. Said, that is a that's a turn off. It shows that you're a novice, and uh, it's a dead giveaway. You don't want to do that. Well, listen, Glenn, we're running out of time. When you were listening in, did you take my email address down? Because you're funny, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have you as a regular as a regular guest on the show. Oh, Wait. okay, great. No, I did not because I was, I was trying to call in because I had uh, sent some uh, emails to one of your people. I was uh, trying to verify the, uh, the method of getting on today. So. It's okay. Renee quit. It was all too much for her. Oh. <laughs> she, she didn't belong in the department. <laughs> No wonder I wasn't getting those responses. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm on it, but you know what? What can okay. I say? Uh, it's Cindy at rnr-pr.com. Okay. All right, listen, Great. thank you, Glenn Embersall, Mr. PR Doctor. We'll have you on again, and we'll talk real oh, soon. Thank you. It would be terrific, and thank you so much, Cindy, and best wishes to you for more success on uh, Voice America. Likewise for your business. All right. Okay. Bye now. Thank you. Thank you. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties, festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment. That's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L entertainment.com. Or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions. We do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not. But she will answer your questions. Now back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back on the air, and I think I have a surprise guest. And His name is Tim. Am I right? No, it's Tom. Well, you know what? I didn't know you were calling in, so, I mean, but I had some, I had some operational issues. Renee, who booked you, actually quit, so I have to wing it this show. But I'm glad that you're here. Tell me who you are, Tom. Oh, certainly. <laughs> it's Thomas and Sarah, and I serve as the chief executive officer for Zayo Corporation. And what is that? I mean, again, I'm sorry, but there was a little bit of miscom when you lose when you lose somebody that's booking your shows. <laughs> no worries, I can certainly understand. Uh, Zeo Corporation is a technology and database company, and we have recently unveiled some products that we believe can help solve the current mortgage and housing crisis that uh, is uh, plaguing our country. Well, what are they? I mean, you know, I mean, although we hear that there might be some relief, ha ha. What are your products? Well, we are currently engaged in an effort to appraise every property in America and to store that information in a secure database like a credit bureau. And what that does is that allows all these financial institutions that are having a difficult time revalue and price their assets to current market levels rather than having to rely on the valuations that were performed three and four years ago when those loans were made. Oh, well, that's good. So the person can take their own responsibilities for buying a house at, um, you know, <laughs> for 83% interest. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. How did you come, what's your background, Tom, and how did you come up with it? And say the name of your company again. 
Yes, it's Zao, which is Z-A-I-O. It is a publicly traded company. Our stock symbol is Z-A-O. Um, in terms of my background, sure, I started in the 80s as chief appraiser of Citicorp, the largest uh, bank in the country. And then during the last mortgage crisis, which occurred from 1980 to 1995, I was recruited by the federal government from Citicorp to help solve the last mortgage crisis. Well, you, you sound like a man of the times. I'm so glad that you called. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I, you know, I mean, I am so, you are so timely. I hope you're doing a lot of other interviews. Well, lately we have. Uh, just the other uh, last week, CNN described our uh, technology as the most comprehensive and elegant solution of all. So we're glad that uh, our products are finally getting uh, in the limelight. I have to tell you, I worked with, and you might be familiar with them since you're in this business, a wonderful company called LeadPoint, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, it, it's it's. It's a lead. It's a lead service that you know puts together people who are looking for um, mortgages and all of that kind of stuff. Sort of an eBay formula, if you will. Mm-hmm. Because the CEO is 33 years old, and um, you know, we because he know knew what was happening with the mortgage crisis about 10 months before the crisis was happening. I was like, I was able to get him an interview with the New York Times and mm. you know the Wall Street Journal and. CNN and everything like that because it's so topical. So you're in a great spot. Well, thank you. We certainly feel we're in the right place at the right time, and uh, hopefully the media agrees. Maybe you're doing a public service for people because they could take control of their own lives with this formula. Right. Which I would imagine they kind of compute online. Well, no, actually the way this works, this is much different than any other solution that's out there. The way this works, yeah, absolutely. We have invented, and it's taken us four years to invent this technology, a handheld device that appraisers carry with them. And I would describe it as similar to the handheld devices that FedEx or UPS carries around to keep track of all their packages. And then this device contains all the information that would normally be housed within the office of the appraiser. The appraiser then goes around and inspects homes. In fact, every single home in a city but they do so in a non-invasive way so that you can preserve the privacy of the homeowner. They conduct the inspection from the exterior from the street. They take photographs. They prepare a 20-page official appraisal report that meets all the federal regulations. And then every day in real time, as those values change, they can update the value estimates for every home in the neighborhood. Oh, my God, that's really great. It's um, Is your... Goal, in a way, it, you know, it, I mean, I don't know if it's a goal, but I think that the process is that it sort of eliminates the quote-unquote bad middleman that made bad appraisals. Yes. In fact, just something that recently hit the press this past two weeks is a terrible problem that's been causing all of the mortgage fraud, and that is pressure on the appraiser. A lot of lenders will say, well, you know, I need to make this loan, and if you can hit this value estimate and help me make this loan, I'll keep sending you business. And it's 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 so bad in the United States, it's to the point where that pressure on appraisers is, is having a detrimental effect. In fact, 90% of appraisers in a recent survey admitted that they had been improperly pressured by lenders to artificially raise the value of a property. Well, it's so that, really horrible. It's like yeah. criminal. It's like it, it's like the mortgage business destroyed. <laughs> well, it's, the it's, banking business destroyed America. <laughs> well, that's right. It is a terrible problem, and so we believe the only solution 
is to take the appraiser out of the transaction so that it's totally independent and objective. And the way we do that is the appraiser goes out and appraises every home in a city today before a transaction even exists, and then they update those values every day. And that's, incidentally, the same way they do credit reports. They do the credit reports in advance of the transaction, so we're really doing the same thing that a credit bureau would do. No, I, and I'm, you know what, and you're, you, instead of being an outside agency, you're self-contained, so, you know, the owners of the properties and the appraisers can take responsibility for what happens rather than letting it get, get out of control. That's, that's it, exactly. And this is all about restoring confidence. You know, the problem in the markets, they're almost in a panic these days. Uh, and, of course, uh, everybody saw what happened to Bear Stearns last week oh, yeah. where a yeah, billion-dollar yeah, yeah. company goes uh, to $2 a share in a couple days. That's all being caused because of a loss in confidence. Well, the only way to restore confidence, and we all learned this from the last mortgage crisis, is you need to go out and revalue all the assets to realistic, more current market values, and that's where we can help. Well, I think it's you came up with a fantastic product, and I would imagine that your primary recipient or your primary audience is the appraiser then. Well, actually, we have technology uh, for appraisers, but our customers, how we generate revenues, these would be banks, insurance companies, consumers, people who really want to know what is the true value of real estate. And, and, and what we explain is, look, if you want to know what the value of a stock or a bond is, you just go online and you can instantly figure out what those things are worth. But why does it take weeks to get an appraisal? So we're turning the appraisal industry right side up. We're saying no longer force the customer to wait weeks for their official appraisal. Let's go out and do it in advance so that when they need it, it's already completed. Oh, it's um, it's really fantastic. You're doing a great public service. I mean, your business will boom from it, hopefully. Um, I think that you have to get out there a little bit more. I, You know, I think that in addition to some of the press that you were doing, um, you have to meet with the people over at the Wall Street Journal who are so obsessed with covering and co- probably giving it the most in-depth coverage out of any news outlet that I've been studying. Um, you know, uh, more of a national focus rather than a regional focus and... Really, the reporters there—they're really trying to find the solution, you know, and getting out there that you know this is real and we have to take control, and it's really a matter of you know people thinking they could buy something for free and then have a million percent increase. It was just such a bad mindset. I don't understand how people ended up falling into that bad bubble. Yeah, well, we well we agree with you. The a lot of the national media continue to focus on the problem and the scope of the problem. But they're just in the very early stages of starting to talk about, well, what are the solutions? How do we get ourselves out of this crisis? And you're right, all these homeowners that are facing foreclosure have these terrible decisions to make. And I mean, we- it's really bad. I mean, you know, I'm sure that you and I both know people who had to foreclose. I mean, working people. You know, I mean, these are not, like, losers. These are people that were, like, good working people that have to, like, foreclose their homes. You know, or even people who rent, unfortunately, because homes are foreclosing. They don't have places to live. I I can't believe this is happening in America. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's quite terrible what people have to go through. But uh, I think as a nation we'll get through it together. We're just trying to give people the tools that they need so that they can make the best decisions that are right for them. I think that's fabulous. I want you to plug your product again. Give the website and all of that stuff. Oh, absolutely. The name of our company is Zao, and that's Z-A-I-O. Our website is www.zao.com, Z-A-I-O, 
And again, our stock symbol is ZAO, uh, and it's a publicly traded company. Is it over the counter? Um, it is. We actually trade up on the Toronto Stock Exchange uh, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And for U.S. investors, you can either arrange to buy that through a Canadian broker or uh, over the counter here in the United States. How did you How did you get into this? You must have had a mortgage background or something. Well, you know, uh, I started way back in college. Uh, you know, I had to work my way through college and pay for college myself, and uh, I needed to find a job. And I uh, came across a local appraiser while I was attending college who said that he needed help, and that's how I was introduced to the profession. So I started appraising back in the 80s and uh, became fascinated with it at a very young age. Well, you match technology and, um, you know, your trade, your offline trade, and you came up with, I hope, what's more than a business but a public service solution for everybody that's suffering here. One more question. We have to finish up soon, but, you know, I'm sure that you agree with me that, you know, everybody like Bernanke and everything is trying to play around with, you know, um, interest points and all of that kind of stuff. I think it's a short-term solution but not, a long-term, <laughs> I, I mean, I think that it's a short-term fix, but not a long-term solution. Would you agree with that? I agree. I think the solution lies in increased transparency, and the only way that can be achieved is if all these financial institutions revalue their assets to current levels and then disclose that publicly so everybody really knows how they stand financially. I think that's a good thing. Well, listen, we have to finish up. I'm really glad you called in. Apologize for the misunderstanding. Um, I think that you're doing a really great thing, and I hope everybody you know, will depend on you to help resolve this crisis and that you make a lot of money doing so. How's that? Well, thank you so much for having me today. All right, Tom. Thank you for joining us. Okay. All right. All thank right, Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties, festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment, that's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L, entertainment.com, or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakn-rollentertainment.com. We all know that somebody. They are always in a great mood, always smiling, always getting exactly what they want. What if that somebody could be you? Let Andrea with an I help you find your personal bliss every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America channel. Explore the endless possibilities of using the law of attraction through faith, trust, and support. Tune in Wednesdays to Ask Andrea, the law of attraction in action on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All 
the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now let's get back to more Stars of PR. Here's your host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning. We're in our final segment of the show, and we have somebody special today, Janine Shepard. Janine, I, I hear this is your story. Never tell me never. Story of her Olympic dreams and how her life changed after being run over by a truck. You want to explain that? <laughs> <laughs> well, how long have I got? Um, good morning, Sydney. Good morning. Um, mind you, I'm sitting in a, my house in Australia, and it's one forty in the morning over here. Oh, bless you! Oh my God, I didn't know you were calling from <laughs> Australia. That's even more important. That's even bigger than your story. It is. <laughs> so, um, well, um, back in 19, 1986, I was in the Australian ski team. I was a, a cross-country skier, and I was training for the Winter Olympics in Calgary. I'd been invited to train um, with the Canadian team in the lead-up to the Olympics, and I was on a bike ride, a training bike ride with my fellow teammates. We were riding from Sydney to the Blue Mountains, and it was about a six-hour bike ride. And after about five and a half hours, uh, we got to a, um, the part of the ride that I loved, and that was um, the hills, because I loved riding on the hills. And my last memory was just looking up and seeing the sun shining in my face. And what had happened after that was that a speeding utility truck um, hit me, and really that was the moment that changed my life forever. Oh, was, my goodness. Well, what ha- you know, so you're training for the Olympics. Yeah. And um, you know what? You know what happened? I mean, you know, was it? I mean, you didn't see it coming, obviously. No, I was up off my bike. I was at the back of the pack. Um, I wasn't feeling well that day, so I actually wasn't even going to go on the ride. But it was all the my fellow teammates from the ski team, and I actually died in my accident. I passed over, and. Well, I guess I figured that there was still a bit of work to do. They flew me from the scene of the accident by the Westpac rescue helicopter to a large spinal unit in Sydney, and that's where I spent the next six months of my life. It was touch and go for the first week. My parents were by my bedside, and they told the doctors to, to be ready, that they didn't think I was going to make it. And, I, you know, I tell people that for that first week I was just hovering between two worlds for me, I think I was just deciding whether or not it was worth coming back. And I think the thing that really kept me um, here was that my father stood by my bed and held my hand, and, and that was really my lifeline. Oh, and, my God. Well, yeah. tell me what happened. What were the injuries? Mm, well, I broke my neck and my back in six oh, places. Oh, Yeah, I broke um, my collarbone, my right arm, some bones in my feet. I broke six ribs on my left side. I had head injuries, internal injuries. Uh, In fact, I lost about six litres of blood when the helicopter arrived at the hospital. My blood pressure was 40 over nothing. Um, Yeah, so it really wasn't... The broken bones weren't such a worry in the beginning. It was the the blood loss, which, you know, as fast as they could pump it in, I was losing it. So it wasn't until after about day 11 that they actually said to my parents that they thought that I would make it. And that was really the beginning of what I can remember. Well, the first, you know, really the first six weeks were very difficult for me to have any real clear recollection of what was happening in hospital. But they did some tests on my back and they discovered that there was a blockage in my spinal cord. 
So they said that we'd have to operate. If they, they didn't operate, I'd be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And if they did operate, that I, you know, there was a chance I might walk again. So they operated on my back, the orthopedic surgeons and the spinal surgeons, and they took all the, you know, the, the broken bone out of my spinal cord that had lodged in my spinal cord. And they took out a couple of my broken ribs and they used that and the bone that they picked out to, to make a makeshift vertebra and they sort of mended that and really didn't know what, you know, what the future held in terms of, you know, how much I would regain. And it was just a, you know, step by step and a day by day process at that point. And, and as I said, I spent six months in the spinal ward and they said eventually, because I had a little bit of movement in one of my big toes, they said that they thought, I would probably walk again with calipers and a walking frame, but they said, you know, that I would have to rethink everything I, I did in my life because I was going to be for the rest of my life paralysed to some degree. Mm. Oh. I'm really sorry yeah, to hear was, that. No, no, no. That was, you know, it was a blessing in my life because, you know, as I said, that you know sometimes life's greatest obstacles become life's greatest opportunities. And although my life had changed, I mean, I was an athlete. All my, you know, all my life I've been an athlete. Athlete, um, you know, I've been competing at national level in, in a wide variety of sports in Australia, and suddenly to be lying paralysed in a spinal ward, it certainly makes you, you know, rethink your life. And when I did leave hospital six months later, it was in a wheelchair and a plaster body cast, and I went home, you know, not wondering what the future held. I, I couldn't walk, and I had a body that didn't function properly, and. You know, I had no feeling from the waist down, and they said, you know, possibly I might get 10 or 20% return of that feeling. And I went home, and of course I did suffer, you know, huge bouts of depression. And it got to the point where I thought, well, what am I going to do with my life? You know, my sporting life that I knew was over, and, and you know, I felt like giving up. And it was at that moment that a, an airplane flew over, and, and I knew what it was that I had to do. And... That was the beginning of a new life for me and, and um, the, you know, I guess the decision for me to learn how to fly. And You're flying? Learned. Yeah, well, I went on. They, they, my first flight, they lifted me up into an airplane because I couldn't walk. I was in a plaster body cast and that was just what we call a tier for trial instructional flight and that was, to me, it was the in most incredible freedom because I couldn't walk but, oh, wow, I could fly. And everyone thought it was crazy, and I went home and I, I bought some I, the people that took me out to the airport and carried me into the flying school. I got them to buy some books, and I started studying, which wasn't easy because I had head injuries and I couldn't concentrate. And I just set upon this path of deciding that that was what I was going to do. And I gradually, when I you know I went from the point of two people carrying me to one person carrying me to the point where I could walk around my house holding onto furniture and then holding onto the walls and and one thing led to another and I ended up getting my private pilot's license and then I got my I don't know if it's different over there but my unrestricted license I went on and got my commercial pilot's license and my instructor rating and my aerobatics rating and then I found myself teaching people how to fly upside down. <laughs> oh my god, that's tremendous. So let me get this right. Um are you you are still disabled? I'm what they call a partial paraplegic, so I now walk I have a limp and I have a lot of internal injuries and a lot of loss of sensation. Um but you know I've done more since my accident than I ever would have done before. 
Oh, my God, that's amazing. And there's so many stories, you know, that are, are terrific like yours. I, now, are you writing a book, Janine? Oh, no, I well, in Australia, I've written four books, and they've all been um, bestsellers in Australia. And they actually made a movie on my life, which the first, my first book um, is called Never Tell Me Never. And in Australia, that's on the school curriculum. So um, a lot of the school kids up to the age of 18 actually study my book. And that, they made a movie on that with um, one of our best-known actresses, Claudia Carvin. So, oh, it's been huge. And that really launched my career on the speaking circuit. And I now travel around Australia and the world as a motivational speaker. So, as I said, it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's defined. It's changed my life in so many ways. I, um, I got married. They didn't think I'd have any children. And I've got three children. Oh my goodness gracious! You really, your life really did change. It's almost like what every woman dreams of happened. And you know what? If you continued, you know, um, striving athletically, perhaps those mm. things wouldn't have happened. No, that's right. And you know, my whole life now, you know, for me, you know, the meaning and purpose of my life has come from being able to give something back and help other people going through, you know, if not similar situations to me, but whatever challenges that they face in life. And that has given, you know, so much meaning to what I've been through. I, I think that's really. I, I am really, really impressed with this. And you know, this is. Can people in the U.S. ever see this? Read the book or see the movie. Never tell well, me never. I, yeah, I hope so because that's the plan. I really want to come over and share my story um, with everybody over over in America. And I have a well, I have a website, and people can can visit my website, which is www.janineshepherd.com. And you know, my books are now on Amazon. So you know, I'm really hoping that. Um, you know, that I'll be able to come over sometime this year and share my story on a larger scale. Well, you know what? If you want somebody to handle your public relations in the United States, I'd be honored to do so. Oh, thank you, Cindy. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, because this is a really great, you know, I talk to public relations people in terms of the business all the time, and this is a really great story. I mean, this is, um, you know, this is, um, you know, a beat-all-obstacles kind of story. And, um, you know, I think that particularly in the U.S., people need to hear that more and more. And, um, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, well, I think it's a story. I think, you know, we all we all face um, our challenges. And for me, I, you know, I use the analogy of my hills. You know, I, we all face our hills. And, you know, I really know now from what I've been through that, you know, that anything really is possible. And every time you face a hill and you tackle it head on, you just become that little bit stronger for the next one. And so, you know, for me, it's been an incredible blessing. And so, you know, as I said in the beginning, it's been, um, you know, it's been a, the greatest challenge in my life, but it's also brought the greatest blessings in my life. Okay, www.janineshepherd.com. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, com. Okay, and Never Tell Me Never, and it's a story of incredible miracles. Thank you for joining the show, and have a good night. You have to go to sleep there down under. I do. Back to, back to sleep so that I can wake up tomorrow. Well, it's um, Easter here, so looking forward to lots of chocolate bunnies. Well, happy <laughs> Easter, and thank you for coming on this late, uh, this early in the morning. Thank you, Janine, and thank Thank you, everybody, for joining the show today. Take care, and goodbye.